Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series reboot. I'm Ben. And I'm Jessica. I've been a fan for a long time. And I'm watching this for the first time. This week we're doing Season 2, Episode 3, When Games Collide. So Ben, how was your week? Oh, I'm doing great. I got back from vacationing in Hawaii. I uh, had a lot of fun there. We were doing some hiking and just touring like Kona Coffee Farms and all kinds of stuff. We avoided all the volcano, obviously. That's what I was going to ask you, whether or not you ran into any volcano. We actually were staying right nearby, but far enough away that it wasn't a problem. It's, it's, it's actually just a small, very small area that's affected. Yeah, I did see the map. It was, you know, just a little tiny. I'm sure it's big for people who need to get to work, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, we and I actually stopped over for a day in Portland, Oregon, too, on a layover, and that was a lot of fun. I saw. You're ready to move to Portland. <laughs> Looking for real estate and everything. Well, I also enjoyed my trip to the Pacific Northwest, so, you know, we could try and convince the spouses together to get up there yeah ashley's <laughs> very uh, reticent <laughs> <laughs> oh, she likes the east coast huh well she likes her family is the problem <laughs> oh, darn family always causing problems <laughs> so today we are discussing season two episode three when games collide this episode first aired on september 14th of 1995 it was written by Jono Howard, stories by Gavin Blair, Brendan McCarthy, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Lane Riker. I feel like our our story by is getting a little bit longer for yeah. <laughs> <every> episode. <laughs> getting more people on board. So you want to try and explain this opening shot here? This is uh, kind of like some dilapidated ruins with like columns and stone walls and some kind of like floating samurai helmet yeah so we open up inside a game where some half spaceship half samurai helmet half cockroach is like <laughs> flying through the air or hovering i should say there's kind of a womp, 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 womp sound that goes with it and we see the gang and some binomes have rebooted into these terrifying looking android look <laughs> things <laughs> yeah they're like purple metallic skin suits with antenna and they've got they don't have ears they've got like little like cybermen side ears yeah oh they're so so creepy looking <laughs> they, they look like they're having a good time though they are they're stealthing away through this game the helmets flying around and we get some like other binomes that are also in the skin suits hiding and, and then we get the helmets pov which definitely looks like an old like first person shooter video game like i can't tell you the title of it but it does it, it's funny this is one of the few games and probably because they don't have to spend too much time in here where you get the feeling that they really are npcs right to the character's pc trying to hunt down the uh the bad guys as they lurk in the shadows this is what like gavin was talking about in the bonus episode where like you know you always have the trouble of wanting to make the main characters the hero of the game and you really can't exactly so they managed to pull it off i think with this one but they <laughs> you know they start a firefight with the PC, but it doesn't really go well. <laughs> yeah, the they're blasting at each other, and uh, it seems that our heroes are outgunned. Where we switch over to the outside the game, where Hack and Slash are trying to set up some kind of device on the GameCube. Yeah, Megabyte pops up on his lovely vid screen to scold them about something. <laughs> He's always scolding them about something. Stop bickering, I want this energy drained. <laughs> I guess he would just know that they're bickering. 
constantly. Yeah. Yeah, they were in rare form today. Yeah, I, I really I enjoyed their banter today as they put the device on the GameCube, which kind of reminds me of one of those sucker fish you would see on the side of a shark. Right. Yeah, Megabyte lets slip that it's like a leech. They get into this little argument that's very duck season, rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season. I used to know. Is this it? You made me forget. Push the button. Push the button. Oh, push the button. No, you push you it. You push it. Every time I push it, it something bad happens. It doesn't matter who pushes okay. it. Okay, push it. All right, I'll push it. <laughs> well, they press the button and the leech gets a suckin', which inside the game makes everything move real slow. Bob and everyone seem unaffected. Right. Bob and Dot are just like, oh man, something's wrong. We gotta figure this out. Whereas Enzo's just like, I know what to do. <laughs> yeah, he like, takes the opportunity to just smash one of the slow-moving missiles right back at the helmet and ends the game right there. It actually works. Game over. Enzo won a game. He's thrilled about it. I like Bob's attitude, though, because like Enzo's like, hey, I actually won. And Bob's like, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not very supportive of his. <laughs> He's like, how, how did that happen? <laughs> They're, they're more worried about the energy drain. Enzo's more worried about, like, guys, pay attention to me. I did something cool. <laughs> so uh, Dot calls up Fong, who confirms that there was, in fact, an energy drain, and she also gets a call from the security team saying there's trouble down at the archives. Bob is sure these two are connected already, uh, so they go fly off to investigate with Enzo tagging along behind. Wait up, guys! Yeah, did you notice when they're, like, talking to each other as they're flying by, the background seems to be moving very slowly. Like, they're, they're not in any rush. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't seem like they really wanted to put some exposition in this part, which I thought was cool. We never, this is the point where normally we would cut to the next scene, but we actually get some like, oh, we're just going to like travel and talk and chill around, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty funny. Which the the things they talk about, so like Enzo asks Bob what games are like at the supercomputer, and Bob's like, they're super fast, some are even networked. And I'm like, well, I guess this will come back? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting. I was thinking to myself, I'm sure Bob has played World of Warcraft at this point. (laughs) He's probably a kobold going, my candle. He's he's Leroy Jenkinsing. (laughs) So when they arrive at the core, Enzo makes a crack about the size of the archive. That puny little hut? And then Dot does a voice command to gain entry. And then her voice shows up as like a 3D rendered waveform, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, that was pretty fun. I like that they had the the voice activated door and a whole bunch of doors open after that. And we see inside a room. It's the mystery science theater like sequence with the doors. Well, it's to get smart doors. Okay. It was frame for frame mystery science theater. We can argue about that later. Anyway, they float inside, and then the archives appear to be a spherical room surrounded by small vid windows. And Dot asks what happened, but the security team doesn't know. What happened? We don't know. Yeah, we learned that they've nearly lost the security field, and they're shocked that anything could have more power than the core. But we don't really know what any of this means. It's kind of like a little jargon back and forth that we, we understand we're supposed to be concerned. Yeah, Dot expresses disbelief that this, whatever it was, could have happened. But we get to jump to some uh, Cockney accent downstairs. Yeah, there's a spy gnome, and he's chatting with Megabyte. He's saying that they almost pulled it off. They could have got it if they had just a little more juice. He's in front of some uh, strange machine. It seems to be burrowing from underneath the archives. 
from the sewers, and Megabyte is surprisingly pleased with the results, even though they weren't successful. I feel like normally this is the point where he would yell at people to get snappy. Well, he sends Hack and Slash off to leech off of the next game, get as much energy as they can. I don't care if you have to extract all the energy in mainframe. I want to get into those archives. We cut to the gang inside the archives, checking out the staticky screen. And I just want to point out, this cut was really fun. I wasn't sure if they were watching Megabyte say that. That's how much of a match cut that was. Yeah, it was a really good match cut. We get to see Megabyte's screen just wink out into static, and then we pull back, and we're not in the sewers anymore. We're back up in the archives. That was, you know, that was pretty fun. It was a good match cut. <laughs> So Bob goes off to check on Megabyte, and Enzo wants to come too, but Bob tells him he's more valuable where he is. So he's like, get lost, kid. I don't need you dragging me down. <laughs> that was a really good, uh, your job is the most important job. <laughs> to stay here and not bother me. Just go on patrol, <laughs> report any suspicious activity to an adult. <laughs> and almost as soon as Bob leaves, Frisket shows up. And I really love here how all the cops see him coming and immediately make a run for it. Like, scatter! <laughs> but uh, Enzo brings Frisket with him on his little perimeter run, and we jump over to Megabyte's lair. Yeah, he's supervising where Frankenbinome and Air Doctor are operating a large crane machine, trying to assemble some kind of circular doorway portal type thing. Some kind of gate to the stars, perhaps? <laughs> and meanwhile, Frisket opens up a hatch in the floor to an underground tunnel, just as Bob is flying around towards Megabyte's lair, when a game comes down. Who would have thunk it and right in front of him on top of megabytes lair now it's a basic combat game with tanks and airplanes shooting at each other and bob reboots into like a rambo-esque figure it's weird the war zone really reminded me of like a world war one world war two scenario right but then he reboots into rambo you know war is war or <laughs> <laughs> never changes and just then hack and slash initiate the leech function on this new game which slows everything down considerably yet again and i like how they they go to maximum drain and immediately leave. Yeah, they're just like, all right. We're done. (laughs) Boning out. (laughs) So from outside the GameCube, you can see it's acting all funny and causing some kind of alert to appear on Fong's screen and Dot's calling in to go, what's happening? He's worried that the game is going to crash and so he's trying to reroute some power to stabilize it when the user downloads another game. How does that even work? I don't know how that works. This user is an idiot. Is he like maybe alt-tabbing between the two games, you know? (laughs) I, I imagine this is like when you try and open up a window and it doesn't open so you keep clicking the icon over and over oh, again no. until you open up 10 windows <laughs> but this is two different games in my head he's double clicking on one game it's not working so he starts to just play the other game he's like forget that one then so in this case another cube comes down over top of the first and the two games merge now the airplanes are flapping their wings like birds bob's reboot uh, even changes he's still a soldier but now he's kind of got like eggs instead of grenades and he's turns his hair into like the back into his little Yeah, as Adam Duritz hairs back. (laughs) So a surge of electricity shoots from the leech device, which gives the whatever that's down in the area with the spinome enough juice to push through the ceiling or something? Either way, he's happy. Yeah, and we get to see a bunch of spinome cat burglars wearing pantyhose masks jumping into the archive and blow. Yeah, so it it created a hole into the archives for them to make their way inside. And uh, we jump back into the game, and Megabyte is literally shaking his fist at Hack and Slash. He's just, he's like cursing at the sky, telling him, like, you sucked up too much energy. Which, I mean, you told them to do that. This is, <laughs> this is on you, Megabyte. This isn't it's on like them. All... They follow the instructions. That's true. Yes. <laughs> they start to have a little 
dialogue, you know, Bob's like, you, and he's like, yeah, I'm not happy about it either. I should have known you'd have something to do with this. I don't like it any more than you do, Guardian. And then we get a Tank Rex. Yeah, Tankosaurus. <laughs> he starts roaring at them. He's half T-Rex, half tank, the worst combination. Or the best combination. That's true. With that, Enzo and Frisket happen upon the binomes that are stealing from the archives. And in a weird moment here, Enzo's like, hey, they're stealing from the archives. Cool. And then Frisket like looks at him like, what the fuck? And he just like shrugs. So he's like, eh. <laughs> Which I think they're kind of going for a thing here. This is like the third time in a row that Enzo has just responded with, cool. He's caught in a loop. Everything starts slowing down in the game. Cool. Mention <laughs> the archives. Cool. You guys are stealing from the archives. Cool. <laughs> He's very easily impressed. So yeah, Bob and Zerg are running from the Tankosaurus, but are stopped by a gulch that they can't jump across. So Bob's like, hey, look, a tree. Let's push it down. And Bob, <laughs> and when he... have you ever had tree pushing down strength. <laughs> he tries. He's like, he tries to push it over with his bare hands. He's really trying to push down this tree by himself. And why would that work? And of course it doesn't. So yeah. Megabyte pushes him out of the way and does it himself. And there's this hilarious bit of animation as they start crossing the tree and Megabyte just pushes him off. Yeah, he's like, out of my way. And uh, yeah, so Bob grabs on a branch so he doesn't fall to his death. And then just to be a dick, when Megabyte reaches the other side, he lifts the tree up with Bob on it and drops it down the gulch. Oh no, this is the end for our hero. <laughs> Tune in next week. But no, we get a screeching hawk flame that uh, plucks him out of the air. And it's one of our favorite aviator binomes. I say, Guardian Bob, what are you doing here? That's right. Was he the same? He wasn't the same one that was in like the uh, the blimp that exploded. He's from the, uh, the episode where they were in the bomber pilot together drinking tea. Right. That's what I meant. So uh, Zerg is looking pretty satisfied at himself when the T-Rex just jumps right over the gulch with ease and starts firing at him. And so uh, he's like backing up right into some tar and can't move. Yep, he starts sinking. Well, Bob sees that he's in trouble and tells the pilot that they need to help Megabyte. And pilot's like, serious? You want to save a virus? He says, I guess I can't go against my programming. And I'm like, Bob, I'm pretty sure your programming tells you explicitly what to do with viruses. And it's not save them from tar pits. <laughs> and meanwhile, Zerg just looks more annoyed than in danger, but he does admit that he needs help. Guardian! I need your help. And so they swoop in. He's doing this fun, like, fruit ninja thing. <laughs> the T-Rex is, like, throwing missiles at him nonstop, and he's just, like, using his hands to bat them away. So that was pretty fun. The look on his face when he finally decides, I guess I gotta ask for help. He's like, help, somebody, please. <laughs> it's like, you can see it being pulled out of him. <laughs> So, meanwhile, Enzo and Frisket are watching as the binomes leave the archives with their swag bags full. Literal swag bags. Mm -hmm. Say the word swag on them. And they uh, turn to alert Dot when the spinome shoots Frisket and freezes him into a green cube. He's like, put him in the back of the van. Sounds like Bricktop from Snatch. And he's like, feed him to the pigs, Harold. <laughs> So Bob, back in the game, Bob is distracting the tank racks, but Megabyte is sinking fast. He's up to his face. Bob uses Glitch to swing in, kick the tank racks in the collar, which ends the game. I'm not sure how that works. Yep. He hit the power button. <laughs> in this shot, like as the game ends, it almost looks like he's going to get eaten by the dino because he like swings right past its open mouth. It does, but it gets into this collar button, which I don't know if that's supposed to be the uh, what you're going for in the dinosaur game or somehow what you're going for in the war game. <laughs> but he figured it out, I guess. <laughs> It's always something. It's it's either stealing a tie or pressing the neck. Yeah. 
The stat calls him immediately, as soon as the uh, game disappears. And while Bob is fine, the situation is not, because Dot knows that Megabyte stole an old gateway command and that Enzo and Frisket are now missing. Bob's like, of course, only game energy can, and gets cut off. Can what, drill through the memory banks? I guess. Only they would have enough energy and more than the core. Yeah. But Bobby gets real angry about this whole thing. He says he's headed off to the tour. And Dot says she's right behind him. Except she's not right behind him. She's over in the core and he's over in the sector right next to <laughs> Megabyte's lair. So it's probably going to take her like 20 minutes to get there. So he's kind of going to stand there and wait. <laughs> so back in the lair, Enzo is getting hooked up to a line while Frankenbinome reaches into the swag bag and pulls out a bejeweled computer chip. Yes, it looks very ominous. I feel like we knew about the bunny slippers, but he actually only has the one bunny slipper and the other foot's a cinder block. Yes, it's because his name is Bunny Foot, not Bunny Feet. <laughs> well, he inserts the chip, which starts vibrating and moving. His, his eye starts following that. And uh, Megabyte starts vamping about ultimate power without ultimate responsibility. I do enjoy that Megabyte lays out for us all that this command is ancient and extremely fragile. So we're going to have the guy with the cinder block for a foot carry it <laughs> from one place to another. <laughs> Don't drop that, please. <laughs> so the portal seems to be up and running, but Air Doctor informs us that the portal is unstable. Sir, the portal appears to be highly unstable. Yeah, so it's shimmering and rippling, and Megabyte decides he's sending Enzo in to test it. If it works, he'll show up in the supercomputer. If not, he'll be deleted. So much for giving the kid a guitar on his birthday, huh? Listen, you know, <laughs> you only get one. <laughs> <laughs> After that... I might kill you. Who knows? <laughs> Gotta grow up sometime, kid. Enzo threatens Megabyte with Dot, but he's not really impressed with that. No. So Bob and Dot arrive and see Enzo walking the plank into the gate, and they fly in and start causing distractions. Uh, they're a little late with the rushing down as Enzo has already started to walk in the portal. The bad guys do this thing where they wait patiently as Bob raises his energy shield yeah. before attacking him. <laughs> he starts like swinging the mooks around and uh, just then the line breaks and disappears inside the gate. And Dot gives a big no. Megabyte tells Hack and Slash to stop Bob. And so they do this by picking up the entire portal and letting Bob run into it. What are you guys doing? <laughs> I don't know. They, yeah. they did good earlier. They they were following directions. I mean, there are the wrong directions, but they followed them. Yeah. So yeah, they Bob flies in and the gate breaks apart, which leaves a like shimmering slice of bologna hanging in the air. And that falls to the ground and shatters, which frees Bob and Enzo. <laughs> for some reason. I'm not <laughs> this... sure how that works. I'm pretty sure that would have killed them. Or stranded them in the supercomputer forever. I'm imagining, so, on the other side. So Bob went into the supercomputer, grabbed Enzo, and ran out just before it hit the ground. Shh. I guess I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, one frame before it hits the ground, they're escaping. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, Enzo's in awe after seeing the supercomputer, and Dot is being held captive by Hack and Slash. So Bob reminds Megabyte that he owes him one from before. <laughs> from like five minutes ago. You remember that, Megabyte? Yeah. And and Megabyte respects that. He's like, he okay, let them go. And the Binomes are like, wait, seriously? <laughs> As Bob and Dot and Enzo fly away, we get this weird iris transition to black as Megabyte says, Now we are even, Guardian. No more favors for you. <laughs> so I want to know why Megabyte just lets them go like that. Is he really that honor bound? I would think if he was a true villain, he would just be glad to have the upper hand. I think 
so too, but I mean, he is a control virus and we, we still haven't gotten to that in the series yet, but maybe it's something to do with that where, where he does kind of feel this sense of, you know, I want to kill you all, but I want to do it in a very orderly way. Well, it's the same thing that Bob did too. Cause like, you know, Bob doesn't want Megabyte around, but he still saved him for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bob, I can kind of buy. We we did see the core of his nature in, in Enzo the Smart, where he is constantly the hero. So what he wants to do is be the hero. Well, he's like Batman not killing the Joker. You yeah, know? like, I guess he just feels like if there's someone in trouble, he has to help them, even if they're evil. <laughs> but it, it is a little strange for Megabyte to also be so honorable. Especially since he is, like, kind of a dick. He had no problem trying to throw Enzo into this thing that would kill him. But what did you think of the episode? This was an odd one for me. Um, It had some interesting moments, particularly the crazy merged dino tank stuff. I really liked that. But as a whole, like, I don't know, I wasn't that into the episode. It's like, I tend to go for the stuff that either has some real emotional drama and character development or that has a lot of goofy humor, and this had neither. (laughs) So it was kind of like a filler for me. I I think they did pretty good. I thought it felt like, on the whole, like, well put together. When I'm writing notes about it, we cut back and forth a lot. Yeah. We we would see, like, a two-second scene of Enzo in the sewer, followed by a five-second scene over at the game, followed by two seconds back at Enzo, and then the game again. There was a lot of, like, back and forth, back and forth which I thought was a little weird, but I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was fun. I think I'm just getting tired of the, the, oh, you're captured. Oh, now you're not captured. Oh, looks like there's trouble. Hey, glitch, do a thing. Okay, I'm getting kind of tired of that. Like, what were the stakes? He was just going to steal some files and go to the supercomputer again. Yeah, I feel like so far this this season in the early parts of, has been very formulaic. Like, they, they found a formula, they're trying to stick with it and move forward with it. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to getting more of that overarching narrative. Mm-hmm. That said, the Tankasaur and Flappy Bird plane were a lot of fun. So <laughs> They were. They were super fun. That made the episode for me, I think. I really like Tank Rex. I thought that was super fun. I like the archive and the, the one little icon that was just an angry face looking at you the whole time over Dot's shoulder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Alphanumeric! So what do we have for Bits and Bites this week? All right, so we got a new intro. I noticed that you wrote that down, and I had to go back and look at it because I skipped it. <laughs> the first two episodes in the season didn't have a new intro, so I assumed that the whole season wouldn't. They waited till episode three to throw in the new intro, so we've got... So odd. <laughs> yeah, we got some new, new season two clips. So nothing spoilery, but it's it's fun to have some some fresh stuff in there. Except the dude had the tankosaur in there, so if I had seen that first, it would have been spoiled for me. Spoilers. all right then we've got the doors all right let's start this argument because as soon as they opened i said get smart now granted i was a strange kid and i watched a lot of nick at night (laughs) no i mean i don't i don't doubt that i mean the to get smart is door after door but the way these open in different ways is very like almost frame for frame for the mystery science theater door intro we'll have to get gavin on this one it could be both (laughs) it could be both we also get Stargate, like so much Stargate. We get one, the actual Stargate that Megabyte is building in his lair. Uh, it even creates the kind of shimmery uh, look that the Stargate does 
uh, when it starts to turn on. And then we get Enzo standing in front of it and putting his hand on it like a young James Spear <laughs> back when he had hair. And then we also get the episode title, which is apparently a reference to When Worlds Collide, a novel from 1933 written by Philip Gordon Wiley and Edwin Balmer. Hmm. Not too many uh, references in this one. Yeah. I think they made it, made up with it with like the silly stuff, like the we want dinosaurs and we want aliens and we want robots. I would not be surprised if the sci-fi channel comes up with like a T-Rex tank the original movie oh man that'd be so much fun i would totally watch that sharknado versus tankasaur <laughs> yes so we've got a few games to talk about i think we do so i try to keep it to one each because there's a bunch of games in this episode <laughs> right yeah so there's the one with the ruins and the samurai helmet is that anything so i started looking for like games about like aliens from that time and obviously there was a lot of video games about alien and aliens the movie but i found one that i immediately gravitated towards because of the cover which had like a little floating alien thing and then people shooting at it from the ground uh it said it was called ufo enemy unknown i started like looking at all the pictures i was like man this is weird it reminds me of XCOM, which it was totally XCOM. oh okay uh it was originally titled ufo enemy unknown but it was marketed as XCOM ufo defense in North America. <laughs> so it eventually became uh, XCOM. So this is back in 1994, 1995 for the Amiga and the PlayStation. And so in the sense that you're you're not playing the alien, you're playing Bob and Dot and, and Enzo. Right. But it, it had a lot of that feel of like, you know, here's where the alien is. Here's you like moving your guys through this ruins and trying to like get a good beat on them and then all shooting at them. And I thought there's a very xcom feel to it. Did they have like the creepy look to the characters? Well, they're all pixelated, so <laughs> I think they were mostly so blobs of purple. <laughs> yeah, pretty much uh, <laughs> blobs of generic soldier soldier person. <laughs> okay, and then what else? So we have the the combat one. There could be anything really. Yeah, we we talked a little bit last time we had a combat game about the different like war games that we could talk about, but I, I decided to talk instead about Rambo the video game, since that's what <laughs> since that's what Bob decided he was going to re- reboot into for some reason. Uh, so that was a rail shooter, so it's not really quite what uh, what it would be for this video game, where it looks like you're maybe the guy in the tank. Mm-hmm. What about Contra? Is that like a Rambo kind of thing? Contra is like your classic arcade video game, where it's just like a bunch of beefy guys shooting things, and they kind of dress like Rambo too. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> so you played this in the uh, on the NES, it looks like. Uh, it's on a few different systems, but yeah, I think it started off in the arcades and then it went to NES. Yeah, I'd imagine this would be a good arcade game. Multiple beefy guys. I like playing. Um, got Area Fifty One in the arcade. I used to play that one all the time. Uh, the uh, Rambo video game was developed based on all three Rambo games uh, and puts you do first blood, first blood part two and Rambo three <laughs> as you go through all the gameplay. I love the naming convention of the Rambo series. <laughs> yeah. That makes no sense. John Rambo first blood, which is not first first blood part two, which is not, which is third. And then Rambo three, which is fourth. I don't get it. <laughs> and so finally we end up with a dinosaur world. I gotta go with Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. Jurassic Park. There was also, so a Turek Dinosaur Hunter for the N64. Ooh, yes, there was. I remember Turek Dinosaur Hunter. The Jurassic Park one came out in 1993. It was published by Ocean Software, released for the NES, uh, and eventually Game Boy. You got to go through the events of the movie Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and kill a bunch of raptors. And then I have one more bonus game. Bonus game? Yes. All right, so 
I think I might have talked about this before. This game is came out in 2001, so it's a little bit later than all of this. But we had tanks, we had dinosaurs. I had to go with Portal Runner. It's uh, it came out for PlayStation 2 on the Game Boy Color, and it is a sequel to the Army Men video games, or a spinoff of the Army Men video games, in which you played like the little toy Army Men. Portal Runner stars Vicky Grimm, who is the daughter of Colonel Grimm, one of the army men. Uh, and she's pretty much like a Barbie for all intents and purposes. But she's got green hair and she's like a war photographer or something. <laughs> and she has to go through like these portals through these different worlds. Uh, and in one of the worlds, she fights dinosaurs. And she's got it. We've got the army men world where all the, like the tanks and stuff are. You've got like your bow and arrow and you've got your like sidekick tire. <laughs> it just, it had that kind of like mixed game feel where like you're jumping from genre to genre. And yeah, it is a really fun game. I played it a lot <laughs> when it came out. Uh, so I thought I was immediately reminded of it, like seeing all like, the different like genres being pushed together. Yeah. This is wrong. This is all wrong. So every week we like to choose a moment that stuck out to us in particular, whether it's a funny bit of animation or a strange character choice or whatever, and we'll nominate our frostiest moments to award the golden pigtail to them. Uh, Jessica, what are your nominations for the golden pigtail? Uh, my first nomination is Megabyte pushing Bob off the log. <laughs> it was just such a smooth motion as he plummeted to his death. <laughs> really... <laughs> I got a kick out of it. But my winner has to be the banter between Hack and Slash's episode. It was really on point. Their second little bit of banter where they're trying to answer Megabyte. And at one point, Slash says, indubitably, as an answer. But then immediately goes, what does that mean? <laughs> and then Hack says, oh, no problem about answering Megabyte. But Slash thinks he's talking to him. So he's like, oh, so now Slash thinks that indubitably means no problem. Are you two ready for the next game? Absolutely! Indubitably! You betcha! What's that mean? No problemo! Oh! <laughs> that is good. Yeah, I was cracking up. Those guys were good this episode. What about you? So, I've got a couple. I mean, those cyborg skin suits in the beginning were really weird, and uh, those stuck out to me. Enzo's kind of saying cool to the stealing was kind of like a weird moment. But I think overall, like, the best moment for me was just the first time you see that dino tank. I know it's kind of an obvious thing, but that was uh, that was my favorite part. No, so. it was good. They did a great job with it, where like the bottom half was actually still a jaw, and the top half was a tank. Yeah, that was good stuff. So that's it. That's our our moments. Let's look into our mailbag. Got a lot of uh, feedback, mostly because we haven't recorded in two weeks. So no, oh, it's been exactly seven days. <laughs> But uh, we got some uh, interesting artwork from uh, S.B. Kennedy. She made me some custom artwork of the uh, number five that I love so much. Oh, man. This five is so good. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. It's a good five. This is fantastic. The teeth. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, we had Aaron, who said that he's been following along. And he said that he can't understand how we talked about wizards and warriors without mentioning Gauntlet. And sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gauntlet video game. Oh, I know what video game this is. I totally, yeah, it totally did not even cross my mind uh, at the time. But that's that's a very good point. I have to give it to you there. I think I got so distracted by D and D that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was a D and D heavy episode. Uh, so yeah, we get a message from Scott Hill on Facebook, just letting us know that uh, he thinks that it's a very entertaining look at the show, and he's been following along as he goes through his DVDs. Uh, so thanks, Scott. 
And then uh, we put out a call on Facebook and Twitter to see if uh, anyone had any feedback or uh, we asked for your ideas for game mashups. Ooh. <laughs> now you've got me thinking about a Sonic the Hedgehog portal mashup. <laughs> oh, dear. That'd be interesting. So uh, William Burton reached out and he wants to talk about a TF2 Overwatch mashup or TF2 or Overwatch meeting planet side two uh, with a little bit of star citizen thrown in there because space is awesome so that's definitely a lot of mashups happening but personally i'd be totally cool with like a, a tf2 overwatch and space kind of theme i think that'd be super fun <laughs> so um nolan hayes asks a question it's not about the games but it says are characters your favorite because they're relatable as in you can be friends with them or because they're aspirational and you wish to be like them Oh, that's a really good question, Nolan. Damn, you bring in the good stuff. So he says that he tends to aspire towards the traits of his most favorite characters. So as a kid, he thought Reboot was cool because despite being a goofball, he was heroic, knew how to problem solve, and would protect his friends. Plus, his friends knew him well enough to be totally fine with his mistakes and would help him out. What about you? What do you think? I think I do like a mix because there are definitely characters that I aspire to be. Uh, I remember when I was reading Runaways and was already older than half the characters in the comic, but I would read uh, anything that Gert was was talking about, and I was like, I want to be Gert when I grow up. <laughs> She's five <laughs> years younger than me, but I want to be her. And then there's other characters that I definitely am just like, oh yeah, they're me. Like, if you <laughs> watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine and you're looking at Amy Santiago being super nerdy about crosswords, I'm like, yeah, Amy, I get you. I, I understand. We're on the same wavelength. We're good yeah what about you ben i think i tend to go for the more relatable ones like when i think about like my favorite characters like if i think about like your benders or your coach mcgurks you know they're not necessarily aspirational figures but they're you know sometimes the funniest or the ones i'd like to be friends with you know the kind you can have a beer with right <laughs> So we have two new uh, $2 backers on our Patreon. So thank you to Kimberly Montgomery and RAR. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for uh, backing us. And then uh, also, just a heads up, stickers are on their way. So by the time this airs, you should have either a sticker in your hand or uh, it should be very close to getting to you. Uh, that's for our $5 backers. And they're on holographic paper. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. So do you have anything to recommend this week, Jessica? I do. I'm very excited because one of my favorite webcomics is back. It was on a, it was on a big break. Oh, yeah? But it finally started updating again. It's called Necropolis. It's by Jake Wyatt, uh, who you can check out on Jake Wyatt Riot, W-Y-A-T-T. And Necropolis is his comic about this... A little girl with a very, very powerful sword and the chaos that can ensue. His art is, I kid you not, brilliant, amazing, gorgeous. I can't even describe how good it is. Uh, Just looking at it, like you could not even read the story and just page the art and stare at it for for hours. And he he does like a lot of professional stuff, which is why he's been moving a lot. So he hasn't been like updating the actual webcomic for a while, but now he's back. I'm very excited. I get to get to read more of it. You should go check it out. So it's on necropoliscomic.tumblr.com. 
So I mentioned previously, kind of like briefly, I touched on the Beef and Dairy Network because when I mentioned uh, Ray Moss, which is like a spinoff, uh, but I'm actually going to recommend it proper this week. So I've been going back through the archives of the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. It's a very dry, absurdist comedy under the guise of being a news magazine pertaining to the beef and dairy industry. But it's so much more than that. Uh, ben Partridge hosts and investigates the possibility of finding extraterrestrial beef, the dangers of lamb addiction, uh, the possibility <laughs> of a mysterious fifth meat uh it's very funny and uh i recommend that the other thing i came across lately is this artist that i was following a long time ago and only recently managed to find while i was in portland actually i came across his books his name is jason little and he's actually from binghamton new york where i live so he released some graphic novels a few years ago one was called shutterbug follies and the second one was motel art improvement service and they followed the adventures of this girl named b uh, in the first one, she's a one-hour photo developer, and she kind of keeps some of the more titillating photos like she kind of keeps for herself. <laughs> and so when she comes across a naked corpse in one of the photos, she decides to investigate. Oh, dear. Yeah, gets embroiled in some murder mystery thing. And then uh, in Motel Art Improvement Service, she's working as a housekeeper in a motel. And in between getting horny with uh, an artist there, she uh, gets embroiled in a drug deal gone wrong. And it's the artwork's really great, and it's a lot of fun. It's funny. And then he also recently did a kind of a four-panel comic strip called Borb, and it's done in the style of like Little Orphan Annie, but it's about like an alcoholic homeless man. It's kind of a tragic comic, so it's not like it's like funny but also sad. Oh man, funny and sad is my favorite combo. <laughs> yeah. But it's called Borb, B-O-R-B, and I think it's a slang term for a, a vagrant. Oh man, lots of stuff to check out this week. Speaking of things to check out this week, you can always check us out. Uh, I am at Dudworks, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook at Dudworks and at Dudworks.com. And I am at Sturbino Lady on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I started doing this one post-it note doodle a day. <laughs> right now, I'm working my way through the cast of Thor Ragnarok. I've been seeing those. They're really great. <laughs> so, yeah, you can check me out at uh, all those various things. That's Sturbino Lady. You can check us out on IncomingGameCast.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Incoming Game Pod on Twitter and Incoming Game Cast on Facebook. Uh, send us messages or some fun, awesome fan art of fives. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. And yeah, we love hearing from you. Thank you guys for listening. And don't forget our Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash incoming game. Yes. And stickers on their way. Be very excited. And our theme music as usual is Kevin McLeod with Spasmatica Polka. Thanks a lot for listening. And until next week, stay frosty folks. Game over. The user wins.